Hi, and welcome in the podcast Lifestyle is on Air, a cooperation between the European Lifestyle Medicine Organization, ELMO, and the Belgian Lifestyle Medicine Organization, BELMO. I'm Johan Hannes, a medical doctor living and working in Brussels, Belgium. I'm practicing lifestyle medicine in my work as a clinical nutritionist and sexologist. The first chapter of our podcast is today about nutrition. But what about you, Ines, and what we will try to promote through our podcast? Hello, Johan. Today, I'm so happy to be releasing our first podcast together. Just a few words to presenting myself. Uh, I am a family doctor practicing in Santarém, Portugal. In a primary care, our purpose with this podcast is to bring you news from the lifestyle medicine field, evidence-based news, to present you new projects and uh, hopefully inspire the community to engage in a healthier lifestyle. Now, with no further delays, let's start this episode with something we all should do several times a day. Washing hands. I suppose that we both wash hands, even if we don't work. Uh, but maybe it's interesting to know for people uh, who are not familiar with, uh, with who uh, introduced this um, disinfection method. It's a Hungarian uh, doctor, Ignaz Philip Semmelweis, uh, born in uh, 1st of July 1818, so almost uh, 200 years ago. And um, he was um, the, the doctor who discovered the cause of puerperal childbed fever and introduced antisepsis into medical practice. Um, he was um, a student of university in, uh, in Vienna. So I have this information from a book from 1924 um, about his life written by uh, Theo Malad, the German uh, writer. And um, he just noticed, um, he became an obstetric and gynecologist um, doctor, and he just noticed that was a difference between um, uh, the puerperal infection in, uh, in the maternity in Vienna of that time and uh, in Europe. And he investigated the causes and he concluded that students or doctors who came directly from dissecting room to the maternity ward uh, cared the infection from the mothers who had died of the disease to healthy mothers. So um, his approach um, really revolutionized uh, the, the medical life in Vienna but he uh, had problems to his concept to be uh, accepted because uh, at that time we didn't know about bacteria and other pathogens. Um, so he was for a short time doing an academic career in Vienna, but then he just returned back to, to Hungary and uh, where he uh, introduced a lot of um, uh, measures who revolutionized uh, hygiene in hospitals. Unfortunately, uh, he died at 47 years old uh, through an, um, uh, in a an, uh, psychiatric um, institution, and he uh, died of the same disease against which uh, he had struggled all his professional life. 
what we should keep in mind that today we use the expression Semmelweis reflex is the tendency to reject new evidence or new knowledge because it contradicts established norms, beliefs, or paradigms. So that is often the case with lifestyle medicine included. To our uh, podcast topic of today, nutrition. We know that during this quarantine, you all started to turn your kitchen into a bakery or a chef sanctuaries. So now that many of us are slowly returning to normality, this is a perfect time to, sh to change your lifestyle and put that quarantine extra kill behind you. We... <laughs> <laughs> we just want to say a word for the ones who are still in quarantine, ill or lost a loved person due to the pandemic, that we all will try our best to take your mind somewhere else for the next 40 minutes. So stay with us for our first uh, guest. Okay. Today we have two amazing guests that are bringing new lights into the lifestyle medicine field, Tatiana and Valentini. Yes, um, I was really happy to, that we could uh, talk with them and we will start with uh, Tatiana. She's telling us how to uh, improve your lifestyle when you live with a big family and letting us know about her uh, new project uh, called Dr. Lifestyle. Um, I met uh, Tatiana in the European Lifestyle Medicine Certificate. Yes, we both did. Uh, oh, yes. That uh, took last year. I was your student too. <laughs> Since uh, it is your baby, Johan, would you tell us a bit about the certificate? It was an amazing uh, session. So uh, um, I, uh, the, the nice point about this certificate, what we started the European Life Medicine um, uh, certificate, is that it's people around the whole Europe and even outside of the Europe and um, you are really familiarized with the basics of lifestyle medicine through a very practical approach. So we do a lot of practical exercises and for those who are interested, um, now we have the third session, the summer session starting uh, soon. So uh, on the website of uh, European Lifestyle Medicine Organization, you will have more details about how to register. So let's hear your interview with Tatiana. Um, hello, Tatiana, and welcome in our podcast. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you. And thank you for the invitation. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. And I'm glad that you uh, share your time. You are living in uh, Bucharest. Uh, you are a medical doctor. And um, probably this time, uh, you, you are not in the first line, so you had a bit of time to... Uh, to develop some some future ideas which you told me uh, about uh, in the certificate yes yes indeed <laughs> so indeed i had a great time uh, during the certificate i learned a lot from you and also from uh, the other members of uh, elmo uh, i was so lucky that uh, i found out about uh, elmo and the elmo conference that was uh, done in rome last year uh, and I acquired quite uh, a lot of knowledge uh, from you, especially during the course. So thank you very much for that. No, no, thank you for, for the <laughs> promo. It's for free. And, uh, and uh, you are also your personality, which was really um, nice to, uh, to work with. And um, 
uh, all these experiences, what you had, your knowledges, your interests, uh, you already um, applied uh, in the nutrition. So in your family, you told me that you are uh, uh, living together many generations in the same big house uh, with a garden. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. It's a, it's a very uh, nice way of living with three generations with uh, my parents and also my daughter who is a, a student in med school the second year and mm -hmm. um, she's uh, quite a, a, a perfect young, young lady <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah of course i'm very proud because uh, i'm her mother but yeah anyway mm -hmm. she's a she's a great kid good yeah. teacher and good mother and uh, you told me that uh, developing your um, personal um, project related to lifestyle medicine you uh, been in contact with uh, a friend she was working she's working for an uh, advertising agency and uh, could you tell me more about how, how uh, she discovered lifestyle or how she became one of your patients finally? <laughs> yeah, indeed, that's a, a very interesting story. Uh, indeed, um, this idea came to my mind uh, last autumn to, to develop a new brand and to start educating people and uh, uh, doing some, some things for them because I think uh, it's a very big need uh, to work in this prevention in uh, non-communicable diseases. Uh, so I started to, to work with a friend of mine uh, that is in an advertising uh, agency and um, she told me uh, in parallel, actually not related to, to our work together, that she had this experience with several uh, nutritionists and um, she wanted to, to lose weight and she managed to, to lose weight. Uh, for a certain period, but she didn't uh, manage to maintain the, the weight that she acquired. Mm -hmm. uh, although she's a very uh, sportive person, she does a lot of sports, she swims, she uh, does jogging and uh, many other things. Um, but uh, due to her uh, nutritional pattern, she did not manage to, to keep uh, the achievement in the weight loss. And when and, you... Uh, and, yeah, when, yeah. and when you say about nutritional patterns, was something specific which uh, she could not control or was difficult for her or was a challenge? Yeah, well, uh, I was curious uh, about her and uh, I asked her what, what was her problem. And uh, I realized that uh, actually uh, she used to eat a lot of sweets and uh, especially due to her work uh, style and work lifestyle. Um, she used to eat cookies uh, during the night. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Uh, so quite a lot of calories, a lot of sugar. Uh, you know, sugar is uh, an, uh, it, it is something that has uh, zero nutritional value, but uh, it's maximum number of calories. So yeah. indeed. And how uh, you how you convinced her to? I mean, if I understood well, you introduced the lifestyle, so you looked a bit more with a holistic uh, approach with her uh, her work lifestyle. That you convinced her to give up with uh, sweets, or uh, what? What you did uh, that worked for her? Uh, well, um, because I needed her help to create this brand. And by the way, the, the brand, the new brand is called Dr. Lifestyle with uh, mm. the motto, the doctor who keeps uh, you away from her or from him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very inspiring. <laughs> yeah, so I had to, uh, uh, in order to create this brand, we had to 
uh, have a very uh, good understanding uh, of the services uh, beyond. Uh, this is my, my uh, door, of course, from the, the living room. Sorry. No problem. <laughs> we are all home now. So. Yeah, okay. we have to repair it. Uh, so uh, we had a lot of discussions and I explained the principles and I explained uh, what is it with the six pillars um that uh, and i quoted here uh, dr david katz uh, in lifestyle medicine uh for the the six uh, pillars um the feet uh <laughs> fork fingers sleep stress and love yeah exactly and um uh, you yeah. you gave her ideas or you use also you because you told me about a schedule or uh, yeah well for for some pillars she she was uh, okay actually for uh, five of them mm -hmm. except uh, the one with uh, the nutritional uh, pattern uh and um, i helped her to make an objective and her objective uh, was to drop the the consumption of uh, sugar and the cookies and also to introduce um a pattern a schedule uh, of, for nutrition um, to, to have uh, six hours eating and 18 hours uh, fasting, let's say. Okay. Uh, but of course, she, she was not uh, able to start in the morning. Uh, and of course, we, we agreed that she can start with a brunch because she said uh, she doesn't start working early in the morning and usually she, she doesn't have uh, breakfast. And that was a problem. But we agreed to, for her to have a brunch at uh, around uh, 10 or 11 o'clock and then uh, to eat uh, not more than six hours, two uh, main uh, meals per day and one uh, snack uh, made of uh, fruits or uh, vegetables. Mm -hmm. And this uh, uh, concept of, um, of windows with eating and fasting was uh, working also for your husband, you told me, because he had another type of problem. I mean... Uh, eating too yeah. much in the evening yeah yeah indeed <laughs> and yeah my husband mm -hmm. yeah my husband uh, works quite a lot and uh, he does also a lot of traveling and he used to come um, pretty late in the evening and uh, for the sake of socializing and um, spending some time together uh, he used to, to eat too much uh, especially in the evening um, together with me but I, I didn't uh, Eat actually, uh, but uh, drinking some tea and so on. And then um, mm. after I found out so many things uh, regarding lifestyle medicine uh, and uh, discussing with him, uh, I convinced him to, to drop this. And uh, we continue to socialize, but uh, drinking some tea <laughs> together. Mm -hmm. For and example, you told or things, mm -hmm. yeah, something uh, very small. Yeah. And you told me that you succeed him to, to make him in uh, eating mindfulness or be more... I mean, yeah. what do you mean with this? Um, he used to, to come, uh, talk and share his experience during the work and so on. And, you know, when you focus very much on the discussion, you don't pay much attention to what you eat. Indeed. Uh, so that was a, a, a big problem. And, Which uh, sometimes can be <laughs> useful if the uh, food didn't succeed, <laughs> the meal. Yeah. But I suppose you are cooking well, so it was not a problem. Yeah, well, no, I, I don't cook at all, actually. My mother is oh, cooking. Ah, okay, such a luck. <laughs> she does, yeah, she does a pretty good um, uh, food and uh, mm -hmm. she cooks very, very nicely. But uh, anyway, uh, he, he didn't focus at all on what he was eating and uh, he used to eat too much um, anyway. 
uh, and in the evening, and then he had some issues with sleeping and and so on. Um, and since he changed that, how is his sleep? Or he he's he lost weight. Uh, he was mm. about um, eighty five. Now he's seventy eight, and uh, mm. he's uh, perfect. Uh, he's normal uh, weight. Um, he doesn't have uh, any uh, more problems with uh, sleeping, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and he continues to to do the the physical activity that he did anyway, also before. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the problem was uh, was this was, one. Uh, yes, exactly. And you mentioned your uh, your mother, uh, and it seems that your new approach uh, regarding eating uh, was working very uh, very well, also for her. How she came in the how she how she she became interested about this, or what what happened uh, with her. Yeah, uh, my mother is um, a very hardworking person, and uh, as I said, she also cooks very nicely. Uh, but she is also very stubborn, and um, her weight was uh, a bit too high uh, because uh, of cooking. She used to taste quite quite a, a lot <laughs> to see if she mm-hmm. saw how was the taste of the the food. Uh, first of all, and then um, uh, she didn't uh, do too much uh, exercising. And because the food is very good, she used to eat too much. But uh, of course, uh, being stubborn, she never uh, admitted that so she, what she, she said, had too much food. So yeah, what she said, she, why she, she gained said, weight? Yeah, we, we criticized her and I'm not sure that was good. You don't have to criticize anybody, actually. <laughs> but uh-huh. uh, when we criticized her, uh, she said... Uh, Come on, I don't eat pretty much anything. I'm, I don't know, I swallow the air and I'm getting fat. <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. She was pretty, pretty angry. Yeah. <laughs> she never admitted that uh, it was the, the food. Mm-hmm. But then uh, listening uh, us uh, discussing about uh, all these factors, the nutrition and um, about the fact that we should uh, drop the consumption of meat, for example, um, and uh, eat more vegetables and more fruits and uh, about the pattern, the schedule of uh, nutrition uh, and about the fact that maybe you can sleep better if you eat uh, six or eight hours and uh, you take a, a pause for the rest. Uh, then she, she started to also to observe us uh, and to realize that uh, we were not only talking but also implementing what we were saying and she started to do the same. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, she with started good results. To, yeah, with very good results. Actually, she started to to eat uh, less, and uh, she started also to have one hour uh, per day uh, in a parkway uh, before the the epidemic, of course. Um, and uh, she lost uh, pretty much weight from uh, seventy to sixty three or sixty four mm-hmm. kilos. Uh, which is uh, quite good because mm-hmm. yeah she's she's a uh, little actually she's uh, one meter and fifty five tall okay mm-hmm. so uh, she's still a little bit uh, overweight but uh, she will continue. <laughs> <laughs>
Tatiana, thank you very much. And I'm sure if uh, your brand and if your project will uh, will work in the same way, like you had the success uh, with uh, with your family, and we know that uh, sometimes the people close to us, the family, it's the most difficult to convince them to change. Uh, but if this you did with your family, I'm sure will work also with your project. And I really wish you good luck with this. And thank you for uh, for sharing all. Uh, these uh, successful experiences with uh, with us here thank so you, thank you my pleasure <laughs> thank you very much so uh, we um, we hear the tatiana sharing um, with us how uh, she changed uh, the family um, nutritional habits and um, I'm sure, as I mentioned also in the interview, that uh, through mindfulness eating, through avoiding how you could replace uh, uh, sweet, uh, processed sweet, uh, that's refined uh, sweets, and how um, you should be careful with the portions, you really can improve your nutritional habits. And if she will be the same successful, uh, we have the same success with uh, her uh, personal project. Uh, we hope that we will uh, hear her uh, in our uh, podcast in the future talking about her project. Yeah, she also talked about intermittent fasting and how it may affect your sleep and energy. Uh, but I really think this is an interesting approach to nutrition uh, in lifestyle, but uh, there is other reasons to talk, to do intermittent fasting. Uh, can you tell us a little a bit uh, about it, Johan? Yes, as as we hear a bit of the the sounds, <laughs> it's from uh, people who are living uh, in countries where uh, it's the Ramadan now. Um, uh, we know it started in the uh, 24th of April and it's for one month. And um, but not just Muslims; um, it's uh, it's a religious uh, culture, religious, I would say, uh, uh, habit of uh, Muslims, Catholics uh, who do the fast during the season of Lent. Of many Jews, fast during Yom Kippur, or Buddhists, Mormons, and Hindus all have their own fasting traditions. So. Um, in this case of um, of the Ramadan, it's um, it means that you cannot eat between uh, sunup and sunset. No drinking water, not smoking, no sexual uh, thoughts, no stealing, lying, or not giving bed to people around you, because it seems that to this uh, approach, um, you feel it doesn't matter if you are rich or poor, you feel uh, the same hunger, thirst, sadness, uh, and you have to be generous. What is really important, because I least here in Brussels, where I have many patients uh, who are doing the Ramadan, you have some um, situation when you should not do this. So it means people with uh, chronic disease, pregnant women or breastfeeding women, uh, neither those who have their menstruation, uh, children, old people, travelers on long distance. But um, what I wanted to talk was more about a new book who was written by, um, called Life in the Fasting Line, 
the essential guide to making intermittent fasting simple, sustainable, and enjoyable. It's written by Jason Fang. He's very no well known by his previous book, The Obesity Guide. And he wrote this book together with Eve Mayer and Megan Ramos. So they are talking about the intermittent fasting, um, which is also called periodic fasting or time-restricting feeding. Do you have the uh, initial uh, experience with fasting? Yeah, fasting. I know that you have some advices for me after reading that book <laughs> because I personally can't stay longer than six hours without eating and without having symptoms like blindness or um, a weakness. I really couldn't until now, but I think you have some advices for me, <laughs> you said. But based on the book, uh, which is... Um, which is uh, has medical uh, medical advices and medical background by the doctor by the doctor uh, Fang. It's also the story of Eve Mayers, who she um, she really shares with a lot of honesty and empathy how she dealt with obesity for many many years and how through this approach of fasting she changed uh, her lifestyle because it seems that the um, the theory of calorie in calorie out so i mean how much calorie has uh, a food it's not working because uh, the authors consider that hunger is the main problem and through fasting uh, you regulate your hormones levels so insulin and the counter insulin counter hormones like noradrenaline uh, then you have the um, cortisol and the um, the growth hormone uh, you can regulate your hunger and replying to your question so it seems that when you uh, do the intermittent fasting you really have to be careful with hydrating yourself hydrate yourself and to add also a bit of salt. So I think that if you drink enough water and add a bit of salt, you would feel better. And it seems that uh, the book said that you are more active, uh, like brain activity, you have more energy as well. Okay, I hope my bosses don't listen to our podcast or they will Why? cut my lunch time okay. <laughs> in the middle of the consultation. Uh, well, I really hope so, but anyway, you have... Uh, bosses, you are not allowed in this podcast. Yes, okay? please. Now she's outside of uh, work time. But anyway, the book for those who are interested, you really can get very practical tips uh, about how you to do it, how to start it. And not just for um, for losing weight, but also, as I said, have more uh, energy uh, to feel uh, more active. So it's influencing your libido even, can influence uh, your, uh, it's recommended also in diabetes. But for those who are interested, um, please give a try to this book. But myself, it convinced me that maybe to do short fasting so they recommend uh, it's so-called 16-8 so you don't eat for 16 uh, hours for example you eat uh, last time at uh, eight o'clock in the evening and then until uh, 12 o'clock at noon uh, the next day you don't eat so they recommend this one 16 hours or 24 or even 72 hours but each one to decide for itself but it's a nice book so it's really uh, and it's very trendy now this uh, this concept 
Okay, since we are not earning any money from the, book, the pub, I think we can share uh, the, the link for the book uh, exactly. later. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I mean, actually, we earn no money from all what we promote uh, here in the podcast, at least not for now. But uh, so this is why you will see those who are interested about uh, the initiatives or the, the, um, the topics what we talk here, you can have all the information in the, in the, on the link of, uh, of us. Okay, so our first interview is finished, but if you thought that our podcast is over yet, you're wrong. Stay with mm -hmm. us if you want to know about a very different approach to nutrition in lifestyle medicine. We're just going to say that it affects our genes, um, but uh, we could talk about our next guest, Johan. Yes, our next, uh, next uh, guest, it's um, one of the experts of the European Lifestyle Medicine Organization, Valentini, um, and uh, she really um, has a lot of experience uh, theoretically and uh, practically um, in uh, how um, nutrition uh, can uh, influence our genes. So this is why uh, I uh, I try in the conversation with her to to make this topic, which is very for many people, or it's too complicated, or it's not very clear, to make it um, uh, more uh, understandable. So I really hope that you enjoy what Valentini had the amability to share with us. Yeah. So let's hear Valentini. Exactly. Okay, hello, uh, Valentini, and hello. Uh, <laughs> and welcome in in our uh, podcast about uh, nutrition. Um, so um, you are a nutrigenetics researcher. So you are uh, Valentini Constantinido. Um, you have a Master of Science and a PhD, um, which you obtained in uh, in Spain. Um, mm -hmm. Could you give us uh, more information how you arrive in this, uh, this field and why uh, genetics and nutrition? Yes. Uh, first of all, thank you for the invitation and for the initiative. Um, I am Valentini Constantinidou. My first uh, degrees are two, a bachelor in uh, human nutrition and dietetics and a bachelor in uh, food technology. So um, I arrived in this field because back in 2001, when I was an uh, undergraduate student back then, I obtained a, um, a European fellowship and I started my research career in Spain in the field of uh, antioxidant capacity of extra virgin olive oil. So mm -hmm. that was my initial uh, beginning, we may say, with uh, research, nutritional epidemiology, nutritional research. Uh, back then, I was fortunate enough to start uh, working in, a, in the most prestigious research group in Spain, and the human genome was, uh, was published in 2001. So mm -hmm. everything was like changing in a direction that until that point we had no idea which is DNA 
which is uh, polymorphisms, genetic variation. And of course, nutritional research was a field that was one of the first to, in, to come to this new knowledge and start asking questions like, okay, nutritional research as we know it uh, will be the same if we add up uh, genetic information. If now that we know our genome and our DNA, will that change? So that mm -hmm. was the beginning. And uh, that happened back in 2001. And uh, in 2005, I officially began my PhD studies and the official research in the field of nutrigenomics. And um, it was not clear whether we could expect any gene expression changes after a dietary pattern. At that point, it was totally mm -hmm. unclear. It was like science fiction. And I was lucky enough to start building up the first studies uh, that we have right now to know uh, whether a dietary pattern, an environmental influence such as the diet, can actually influence our genes, the, the expression of our genes, and later on in my postdoctoral research to actually see whether the inter-individual inter variation that we have uh, can also uh, um, change, change. Uh, the reaction that we have in the same, in the same dietary pattern. So but, my first, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> my first, my first uh, studies was um, in uh, healthy in, uh, individuals with a Mediterranean diet and extra virgin olive oil consumption. But and this that is was, yes. uh, just here. It's uh, actually just not uh, not to miss the point because I was trying to understand how you mm -hmm. arrive to genetics because usually genetics mm -hmm. it's something which. Uh, um, well, it's, and we know it's very important. We know we have lots of research in it. Mm -hmm. But you've been in this field. You've been attracted by this field. Why? What, what made you to, to arrive? Uh, first of all, because it was back then when I was starting my research, um, my research career, it was the, the new field of knowledge. Okay. So first of all, it was something innovative, something new. And secondly, it was the only um, uh, new field that can actually add up a personalization uh, level that we didn't know. I mean, all the nutritional research until then, uh, it was based on uh, biomarkers or questionnaires or diaries or um, systemic biomarkers that we could uh, measure in the blood. But the level of personalization that the DNA could give us, it was not uh, explored. So very innovative then. approach. Uh, exactly. So now I understand so, why you're in the lifestyle medicine field as exactly, well. Exactly, <laughs> because I was believing that uh, we need to offer as much as personalization we can. And what more personalized than DNA? That exactly. makes it different. And since I was lucky enough, enough to, um, to collaborate with this uh, team at a moment where all the genetic information was coming, uh, coming out to light, um, I mean, for me, it was just one way, <laughs> just one way trip. So I began all my research focusing on uh, DNA genetics and how this level of personalization uh, can alter, influence and improve uh, the nutritional recommendations that we are giving to public. 
And how much, because we know today we talk about genetics, genetics, we talk about mm -hmm. epigenetics, that part of mm -hmm. genetics, which in past we thought it served to nothing, but we just realized today that it's really influenced by our lifestyle. So um, nutrition, how much actually can change based on your, on your research is what you, you arrived doing a postdoc and your mm -hmm. experience like a practitioner today, what's, could could you give a, a percentage or could you give an uh, uh, an idea about how much nutrition can really change? Uh, yes, of genes? course. And we have a lot of lot of research. I mean, if you um, just type my name in PubMed, you can actually see all the research that I have personally been involved in nutrigenetics and nutrigenomics. Uh, one of the main studies that can actually change it's the um, both in the level of nutrigenetics and nutrigenomics it was published back in uh, 2010 in a FASEP journal where we saw that after three months of uh, adherence to the traditional Mediterranean diet we were able to downregulate the expression of genes uh, related with inflammation and mm -hmm. that was not only measured in the level of genes, meaning in the level of transcriptomics, but it was also measured in the blood, in the bloodstream. So mm -hmm. we could uh, measure and see a decrease in inflammation markers, like in tenferon, for example, in tenferon gamma, and the same downregulation of the interferon gamma gene, just to mention an example. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, associated after three months of adherence and uh, follow up a traditional Mediterranean diet. That was in the level of mm -hmm. gene expression, okay? In the level of, gen of nutrigenetics, which means the um, genetic variation that's different between us, the huge uh, study PREDIMED that we also did back in Spain uh, also have given uh, results that when we know the genetic predisposition for example, in uh, genes that they are related with uh, diabetes type 2 and um, uh, glycemia. So when we know the genetic variation and we um, follow up the volunteer to adhere as much as possible, meaning like an intervention, like a very strict intervention to adhere to the traditional Mediterranean diet, after five and six years of follow-up, we can see that this negative genetic predisposition could be silenced. Mm -hmm. And the genetic predisposition in the same gene, in the same SNP, in the same polymorphisms, could be as the same as to people who didn't have it. But when you talk about the Mediterranean diet, we know that mm -hmm. actually Mediterranean diet is a Mediterranean way of life. So mm -hmm. could I uh, could be this a reason why you a bit expanded your interest because you are now an active member in the lifestyle medicine field. So you mm -hmm. you went a bit more than uh, in nutrition. Uh, uh you are absolutely right, because this is what we saw that it was actually working in all the big studies, in all the intervention studies that we have done. What it was working was not a pill or was not a very concrete recommendation, but it was a combination of stuff. It was a combination of cooking, nutritional recommendation, a healthy lifestyle in terms of moving, in terms of sleeping, and it was the whole pattern 
that those volunteers participated in our studies were following that actually was giving the extra um, benefits. So we saw that it was never just only one thing. Nutrition is never just only one thing. It's a combination of things. That's why we always recommend whole food and not um, molecules, like mm. um, concrete molecules. And um, so uh, this is affecting our genes, how we eat, mm -hmm. how we live. Um, now the, the latest research, um, it shows that it seems that we can even transmit our uh, our uh, genes to to uh, to our children or even uh, mm -hmm. grandchildren or how it is here the um, i mean uh, due to our uh, change lifestyle uh, where mm -hmm. nutrition is included this is the field of epigenetics and epigenomics and this is how we are measuring the um, heritability uh, to the changes that we are doing. For example, um, the heritability, heritability generally is transmitted in two or three generations' time. It's mm -hmm. not something that happens very, very quickly. Uh, that means that when I, if I have, for example, a genetic predisposition, a negative one, and mm -hmm. I apply some um, uh, lifestyle changes, such as nutrition, for example, uh, and I manage to silence this genetic this negative genetic predisposition that i have that means that this gene will not be active for a long time and if i maintain not active this gene then in my children in my grand in my children my next generation maybe this gene will not be so useful so this is a um, hypothesis, this is a um, methodology, a, a pathway that is activated in fact by the um, uh, evolution. This is a, all these hypotheses that I'm telling you now are being tested and it's not something that we can be 100% positive, negative and how exactly it's working because it's ongoing research. The thing that we know is that epigenetics do influence um, the genetics of ourselves, and of course we can transmit it to our new generations. How fast and under what circumstances concrete, it's not clear yet. Uh, and, and it's not clear yet, not because it, it takes time uh, to be able actually to measure it, but also because it's multifactorial. It's not only one thing that we are testing. Uh, and this makes these kind of studies even more complicated. The more factors you add up, uh, the more complicated it is to actually uh, come up with statistical significance. I still have uh, two questions, uh, very yes. practical. So one is that uh, uh, being a um, well-known uh, researcher, you have also a successful uh, um, life of a businesswoman. So you have your DNA Nutri Coach uh, company. Mm -hmm. um, what is the difference going to a nutritionist, a classical one, and one who is uh, so uh, familiar with all the genetics influences uh, of our nutrition? So if someone is coming to you, what is mm -hmm. different in the consultation with you? Uh, first of all, in the consultation with me is not the typical one uh, as all the dietitian or nutrition maybe have been used to until now, meaning I measure you, I weight you, I give you grammars, I give you a menu, and I see you in one week. It doesn't work like that. 
So I implement, first of all, the personalization, meaning the DNA analysis. So I analyze some genes, some SNPs in particular, that I know that by knowing the genetic predisposition of this person, I can personalize the recommendation. This is the first step. The second step is the classical uh, measurements and biomarkers and um, historical registry that I take. And the third step is the coaching. The coaching is very, very crucial because it's a methodology that you can actually apply uh, personalized, based, personalized in the sense of in each person in a different way based on the goals that they have, the person. So I, in my consultation, I join those three elements, the DNA, the nutritional recommendation, and the coaching methodology in order to be able to address the problem that the person is not aware that having. Because everybody comes, for example, to lose weight, but it's not always a problem. It's a very personalized uh, exactly. consultation. It's a very personalized consultation, and it's not based on the classical uh, general um, uh, tools that we have been using until now. I have been adding up some extra, more individualized tools. I see. And uh, the last question is about you, like a person, a nutritionist, mm -hmm. having all this uh, knowledge and information. Do you have some uh, fooding items that you uh, know that they are good and you are eating them regularly? I suppose that the extra virgin oil is one <laughs> of them, but do you have something else what you would recommend or you are uh, eating, consuming regularly? Well, I am a Mediterranean girl, so I have been raised under olives in, in Greece and I have been living all my life between Greece and Spain. So I think I'm a little bit biased on that as well in a personal level. But um, I'm trying to, to consume as much as natural as I can and as much uh, local as I can. It's not the same the product that I find in Spain and the product that I find in Greece. And this is mm -hmm. part of the Mediterranean lifestyle. Um, it needs to be sustainable. It needs to be um, uh, raw. It needs to be local. Um, and all these factors are also part of the Mediterranean um, lifestyle, dietary patterns, and, um, and, and general way of, of living. Of living. Exactly. So okay. for me, yes, extra virgin olive oil has always been the, um, the main source of fat. I mean, I, have, I never remember using butter or margarine or any kind other of, of fat, never, for all proposes. And some fruits, vegetables. Of course, uh, fruits and vegetables, other. exactly. Uh, a lot of fish, a lot of fish and seafood uh, as a very good source of protein. Legumes, a lot of legumes. Yogurt, the Greek yogurt is the number one, which actually mm -hmm. provides all the um, probiotics. Uh, besides vitamin D and calcium, all the probiotics, and the, all the good bacteria for our gut and for our microbiome. So, yes, mainly that. And mm -hmm. the, the, the ideal thing is to be able to know the things that do you best so you can consume more of that and the things that do you mm, bad and uh, mm, limit their consumption uh, in, in a way that you are not suffering and in a way that you are keep enjoying food and company and living without suffering from extreme, you know, um, 
not do that or not eat Frustrate, that or yes, exactly exactly, exactly. Thank you, Valentini, for your time, what you share with us, and the very clear explanation uh, how genetics um, uh, influence our nutrition. Uh, and thank you for the invitation. Vice versa, maybe. <laughs> yes. And uh, thank you very much uh, for your presence. Thank you. Thank you very much. very much. Good luck with the rest of the certificate. I will be happy to ask to answer any questions or if people would like to receive one of the papers that they cannot find online feel free to contact me i will give them your contact address and they can also check your website dna um, nutricoach uh, great thank you very much <laughs> thank you very much for thank your you. presence Speaking a little about Valentini's interview, I really like the way she describes the Mediterranean way of life. As much as natural as I can, and as much as local as I can. I personally always believed that there are no strong individuals without a strong community. With this uh, way of viewing life, you could be healthier and improve your community by consuming the products that your farmers produce your grocery store sells, and so on. Moreover, your fridge would look so nice, fill it with fresh food. But now talking about Valentini's project and her research, she has an innovative approach to nutrition that may be the solution to some of our patients' problem, helping them finding a tolerant pathway to a healthier nutrition habits. As she said, that is nothing more personal than DNA. Her work is a living proof that lifestyle medicine is an evidence-based medicine. Because as we, as we heard, uh, she extended her research on lifestyle influences on genes. It is how, in fact, uh, non-communicable diseases should be treated. And now we are getting to the end of the episode. Today we talked about nutrition, interviewed two very interesting guests that presented their new projects regarding this pillar of lifestyle medicine to you. In the next episode, we will talk about physical activity, bringing some new lights to your daily exercise planning and meet with another two remarkable guests. The links to the certificate, Tatiana's and Valentini's projects and the book we spoke about before are available on Helmo social media. So, subscribe us, tell us what you thought about this episode, what can we improve on the next ones, what would you like to hear about. We would really appreciate your feedback. Until next time, stay healthy, stay strong, and do not miss the next episode of Lifestyle is on Air. <laughs>